0: Getting to the heart of the matter, today on Abounding Grace. God is not concerned about the building. He's concerned about you. He's not so concerned about what is happening outwardly. He's concerned with the heart, the heart of the matter. Think about it. If you would just spend as much time on the heart matters in your life as you do dressing and cleaning and eating, what kind of improvement would happen in your life? But those other things, we really believe we have to do them.
1: This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. to have you aboard as Abounding Grace is on the air. We'll meet you in 1 Kings 6 in a moment. Pastor Ed Taylor has framed his talk around chapter 6. Solomon is knee-deep in a huge temple building project that would take him seven years to complete. But right in the midst of it, God has something important to tell him. Pastor Ed will relate it to our daily walk in the minutes ahead. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter
0: 2 in verse 4 because there's a a great comparison that God does for us that can relate to the temple here. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, Peter, he tells us, "...coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ." And and our Gracious Father is doing the same thing with us, chipping away, chiseling away, and then bringing us together and building up a beautiful priesthood, a beautiful home together. If you think about the church today, it's just, it's startling that the church of Jesus Christ exists today. If you think about all of your backgrounds and where you've come from, some of the things that you've been into, the kind of family that you grew up in, who your dad was or who your mom was, or in some cases, some of you have experienced many dads through divorce or difficulty or many moms. You think about who your siblings are. Some of you, you think about the crimes you once committed. You think about what's been going on in your mind. You think about all the, all the backgrounds that we possibly... Some of you, you think about your life and you're just shocked that you're saved, that what God did in your life. You weren't looking for him, but he was looking for you. And then God takes all of us who probably would not have met any other place. And if we did, we probably wouldn't get along if we met at any other place. Or we'd be so inebriated or so out of ourselves that we would just, oh yeah, I love you, man, love you, man, love you, man. What are we doing in jail? I don't remember, man, but I love you. You know, and just, just craziness. And who, we, who are we now? We are precious stones built up by God himself, able to lay aside our past. It's way behind us. We're able to forget those things that are behind, the Bible says, and to press on to those things that are up ahead. But, you know, we don't see the chiseling in your life. It happens in your home. You got a tough marriage and you're being chiseled. We don't really see it much here. I mean, we do from time to time in our counseling appointments and such, but we don't see it. God's doing that in a different place. Some of you got chiseled big time today at work, but we didn't see it. You felt it. You're going through it. Some of you at the paycheck, at the day of the paycheck, oh, the chiseling really happened there. Because your bills swallowed up that check before it was ever direct deposited into your account. But then they messed up a number and it never made it to your account. Chisel. Chisel. You've been chiseled at those situations that require forgiveness or walking in love and... Raising the next generation or experiencing hardship and sorrow and and grief. We're we're all being chiseled. But then what does God do? He brings the finished product together. Now, of course, we're not the finished product. God is not done with us yet. But we're a lot closer to the finished product than we ever have been. The Bible says that our salvation is nearer today than it ever has been. And may the Lord just encourage us with his word. So the temple is here. Solomon's making some wise decisions. Maybe not so much with the windows, but we don't know for sure. Verse 11. Then the word of the Lord, this is back in Kings now, came to Solomon saying, concerning this temple which you're building, if you walk in my statutes, execute my judgments, keep all, command, all my commandments and walk in them, then I'll perform, perform my word with you, which I spoke to your father David. And, and I will dwell among the children of Israel and will not forsake my people Israel. Even in... And I would say, especially in the temple, God speaks to Solomon and reminds him, you need to stay close to me. You need to stay close to me. For him, it was a conditional promise. For us, that condition's been met by Jesus Christ, but the principle is still the same. Stay close to me. Jesus would say it in John 15, abide in me and I in you, because apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, this is a similar promise from God. And he says, you might want to mark the verbs. In verse 12, If you walk, if you execute, if you keep, if you walk, then I'll perform. And that's the word of the Lord. More important than that building, Solomon, was your obedience, your walking. And we know throughout the scriptures, walking is a picture and a type of an ongoing relationship. It's a progress, not too fast, not too slow, but at just the right pace. More important than the building was the walking and the executing and the keeping and the walking. Commentator Warren Wiersbe once said, God is far more interested in the person than in positions. And he's far more concerned with the minister than he is the ministry. And God is saying the same thing to Solomon here. Really, Warren was only commenting on this principle from the Lord. God is not concerned about the building. He's concerned about you. He's not so concerned about what is happening outwardly. He's concerned with the heart, the heart of the matter. Think about it. If you would just spend as much time on the heart matters in your life as you do dressing and cleaning and eating, what kind of improvement would happen in your life? But those other things, we really believe we have to do them. Very rarely do we have people walking in on Sunday morning in their jammies. Very rarely. It's happened, but very rarely. Just getting up the way you woke up. Don't even bring in your bunny slippers and everything. But we don't do that, do we? No, some even get in the shower before they even open up the Bible. Some will start applying their makeup or, you know, getting things in order, combing our five hairs and uh, just getting things in order before we even seek the Lord. I mean, we're just up and out. We don't even lay there with our eyes open for five seconds to be reminded that God, your mercies are new every morning, and I claim that promise today. We just run out, we just run out, run out. And we get used to it. God is more concerned about what's inside of us than what's outside of us. He's more concerned about what's inside than outside all the time. Be careful, church. Be careful, family. Be careful, those that are watching online or listening. Be careful not to mistake activity and ministry for what's happening inside of you spiritually unto maturity. Be, and that's a long way of saying it this way. I tried to do some rhyming words, but let me just straight up tell you. It doesn't matter how much you do for the Lord if your heart's far from him. And if you choose to be busy and active and still stay distant from God... That's disobedience and lack of submission to Him. First things first. Jesus told us to seek first the kingdom of heaven and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto us. You can be busy for God, but empty inside, and that's not the will of the Lord. How's your intimacy with the Lord? Because Solomon's getting excited about building the temple, as I'm sure he was. God says, Hey, make sure you walk, make sure you execute, make sure you keep my statutes, my judgments, my commandments, and walk in them. Be obedient. Verse 14 through 22 are more descriptions. Solomon built the temple, finished it, took him about seven years. He built the inside of the walls of the temple with cedar boards, from the floor of the temple to the ceiling, he paneled them. On the inside with wood, he covered the floor of the temple with planks of cypress. Then he built the twenty-cubit room at the rear of the temple floor to ceiling with cedar boards. He built it inside as the inner sanctuary, as the most holy place. And in front of it, the temple sanctuary was 40 cubits long. The inside of the temple was cedar carved with ornamental buds and open flowers. All was cedar. There was no stone to be seen. And let me just say this. While Solomon was giving the direction and he was the king at the time, all the people working on the temple, all the ones doing all the ornate work and the chiselers, and everyone's important to the work of God. None of this would have happened. Solomon could not have accomplished this on his own, but God raised up talented men and talented women to serve him in his kingdom and today in his church. And you guys are all important to the kingdom of God. If you ever get that sense like you're unimportant, you're not hearing from the Lord. You're important. And I just, that word ornamental just jumped out because there are some of you that can take a piece of wood and just make it beautiful. It's so awesome. Some of you have such great talents in what you do and how God's created you, and everybody was important. The inside of the temple, verse 18, uh, we saw that carved with ornamental buds. Verse 19, he prepared the inner sanctuary inside the temple and set the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord there. The inner sanctuary was 20 cubits long, wide, and high. He overlaid it with pure gold. Remember, it's a little box, uh, 45 by 27 by 27. On top of it was the mercy seat. You have, that's overlaid with gold. Solomon overlaid, verse 21, the inside of the temple with pure gold. He stretched gold chains across the front of the inner sanctuary, and he overlaid it with gold. The whole temple he overlaid with gold until he had finished all the temple Also, he overlaid with gold the entire altar that was by the inner sanctuary. And inside the inner sanctuary, he made two cherubim of olive wood, 10 cubits high. One wing of the cherub was five cubits. And the other wing of the cherub was about five cubits, 10 cubits from the tip. A cubit's about a foot and a half. I didn't give that to you, but it's about a foot and a half, 18 inches maybe. Uh, 10 cubits from the tip of one wing to the tip of the other. And the other cherub was 10 cubits, both cherub were the the same size and shape so they're there and the height of one was 10 cubits so was the other and he set the cherubim inside the inner room and they stretched out the wings of the cherubim so that the wing of one touched one wall and the wing of the other touched the other wall and the wings touched each other in the middle of the room and he also overlaid the cherubim with gold and then he says in verse 29 he carved all the walls of the temple all around inner and outer sanctuaries the carved fig- with carved figures of cherubim, which cherubim are angels, um, and they palm trees and open flowers. And the floor of the temple he overlaid with gold, both the inner and the outer sanctuaries. For the entrance of the inner sanctuary, made of doors of olive wood. The lintel and the doorposts were one fifth of the wall. Two doors were of olive wood, carved them on figures of cherubim, palm trees, open flowers. Overlaid them with gold. Spread gold on the cherubim and on the palm trees. I mean, I, I didn't notice this when I was doing that study, but there's a lot of gold going on here. Very, very beautiful and bright. So the door of the sanctuary made doorposts of wood and, and one-fourth of the wall. Two doors of cypress wood, verse 34. Two panels, one folding door. Two panels of the other folding door. He carved the cherubim, palm trees, opened flowers on them, overlaid them with gold, applied them evenly on the carved work, and he built the inner court with three rows of hewn stone, a row of cedar beams. In the fourth year, the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid in the month of Ziv. And in the 11th year, in the month of Buel, the eighth month, the house was finished in all its details according to all its plans. And so he was seven years in building it. What a sight this must have been, inside and out. Not solid solid gold, but, but overlaid with gold much larger than those that were in the tabernacle. And things were different in the temple. Uh, they went from simplicity in the tabernacle to a little more complexity, which is often the case in our personal walk with the Lord. And it was finished in seven years, a beautiful tool to worship the most holy God. Before we leave, I just want to finish looking back at verse 11. Uh, because as glorious as the temple was, seven years to complete it, gold all over the place, beautifully fine, handcrafted, finished wood, a place where the glory of God would dwell, a place where the Ark of the Covenant was, the word of the Lord came to Solomon saying, verse 11, concerning this temple which you are building, if you walk in my statutes, execute my judgments, keep all my commandments, and walk in them, then I will perform my word with you, which I spoke to your father David. Then I will dwell among the children of Israel and will not forsake my people, Israel. Solomon was given a solemn charge in the midst of his faithful service, in the midst of this building. Because, you know, we do a lot of practical things uh, in ministry. Uh, We fold bulletins, we stuff them, we pick up trash, we straighten chairs. In a few moments, you're going to help us stack some chairs. We do, we we think, you know, what is it about the practical? Well, when we do, when so much of ministry is very practical, very normal, you know, making sure that things are done and clean. It's just so normal. It doesn't matter where, you you know, because it's not just in the building. Don't don't misunderstand me. Like, when when you're at work, your work is a sanctuary under the Lord. And what are you doing at work? Very practical things. Some of you at work, you're wondering, how could this ever have any legitimacy and any addition to the kingdom of God? I'll tell you why. You're witness there. God is providing for the needs of your family, putting food on the table, putting a roof over your head, and putting you in contact with people that may never darken the doors of an organized church. So what does Jesus do to people that won't come to church? He takes the church to them. And so you are answering the phone. And there you are delivering packages. And there you are doing secret stuff that you can't tell us. Because if you did, you'd have to put us on a list with the federal government. So we don't want to know what you do. We don't want you to get in trouble for it. It doesn't matter what you're doing. The practical is very important. But in all the practical, because if we're putting 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week into practical things, day after day, this a little, there a little, got to put this together, got to fix this, got this updated on the website. You're so practical, so practical, so practical. It's in the middle of a seven-year building project that God comes to Solomon and says, look, all this outward building, it's not about the building, bro. It's about you. I don't think God said bro, but that's what I think he meant. It's not about this building. It's not about, it's not about all the don't, don't. You're, you're, you're involved in something great and something grand, but I'm going to tell you something. The real deal about this building, this temple, the real deal about our church building, or your cubicle, or your car, or your truck, the real deal is this. If you'll walk in my statutes, and if You'll execute my judgments, and if you'll keep all my commandments, and if you'll walk in them, I'll perform my word to you, and I'll speak. I'll, and the word which I spoke to your father David, and I will do- dwell among the children of Israel, and will not forsake my people Israel. Could this be an encouragement to you today? Could it be a warning, or both? If you walk, execute, keep. If you walk, statutes, judgments, commandments. Now, the conditional promises of God in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, have been replaced with the unconditional promise of Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. We know that. But we also have many principles carried over from the Old Testament. And one of the principles that would be very good to understand when it comes to this conditional promise is another conditional promise that's found in the book of Galatians. It's a conditional promise. Yes, there are conditional promises in the New Testament too. And it's, it's really a promise that you want to heed. Because the Bible says that if you and I choose to sow to the flesh, the promise is we'll reap corruption. And if you and I choose to walk in the Spirit, the promise you'll reap everlasting life. That's a very powerful promise. And it, it's very much connected to what Solomon's getting right now. In all your business, all your building, God cares more about you than what you're doing and the people around you than, than, than who you are and whether, whatever's going on in your heart right now. Listen, know the statutes of God. Know the judgments of God. Know the law of God. Know the commandments of God. This is a strong word. You can't just live your life and throw your hands up in the air and and say, well, I'm a believer. I can do whatever I want. Well, there's truth to that in some respects. Because when you're abiding in Jesus Christ and delighting yourself in the Lord, the Bible says he'll give you the desires of your heart, and therefore you can do whatever you want. (laughs) Because your desires are God's desires. But if you approach your life as in, in relationship to Jesus Christ with the attitude that you can continue to be the God of your own life, little g, and you can do whatever you want because God's going to forgive you anyway, you're mistaken. Th- those aren't the words that come out of a true believer's heart. They're not the words that come out of a person that's been born again. They're not the words that come out of a lifestyle that, that reflect the lifestyle of someone that's intimately connected to Jesus. No, hey, born-again believers are stumble and fall. Born-again believers have issues. We, the Bible is very clear. We don't need the Bible to tell us that. We can look in the mirror. We know. We stumble and fall. We make knucklehead, bonehead mistakes for sure. But the lifestyle of our is to please, and gl- please the Lord and glorify Him. And if doing what we want means doing what he wants, because I want what he wants, that's a good thing. Run with that. As we mentioned earlier in John 15, Jesus speaks of that abiding presence, and he makes that. If you abide in me, I'll abide in you. It's relational. And if you abide in me, then I'm going to work through you. Uh, You're going to see wonderful things. And so before we leave here, just consider whether you're a place of a, a position of authority or leadership in our church, or you're in a place of authority or leadership in your home, or you're just a believer right now trying to grow in the things of God, how, how are you doing in these areas? And how are you doing with the statutes of God? From the Hebrew, we learn the word hokah, It means ordinance, or it means prescriptions. How are you doing with God's Prescriptions. How are you doing with his judgments? The Hebrew word mispat. How are you doing? Mispat. Decisions. Legal claims. Or it also means God's opinion. How are you doing with God's opinion on the matters? We're pretty good at everybody uh, sharing their own opinions, but how are you doing with God's opinion on the matter? Have you even sought the Lord for God's opinion? What does he think on the matter? And how are you with his commandments? Miswa. This means his edicts. His directives,
1: His divine law. You're listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. If you joined us late or would just like to hear this message again, request a CD copy for $2. We can be reached toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. I'll repeat that in just a second. You'll also find Pastor Ed's teachings at calvaryaurora.org. Ed, it sure is neat to see how God is using the latest technology to advance the gospel and proclaim His Word. Would you take a minute to talk about our webcast that allows anyone, anywhere to watch our services live at Calvary Aurora?
0: Yes, Larry. I remember in the day when we were recording our Bible studies on cassette tape, and we actually had a weekly mailing of our teachings uh, via cassette tape. And then we went to CDs, and then we went to real audio files, then MP3s. And you know today you can watch services live. Uh, you can watch them live via our app or on our website. Uh, and, and so I'd encourage you, if you're somewhere around the country, join us in our church family. And of course, don't neglect your home church. Uh, Support your home church, minister in your home church, but you can connect with us both live and by our archive files, uh, both video and audio, and so you can do that on our apps. Go to your app store and just search Calvary Aurora, that's A-U-R-O-R-A, and our apps will pop up, or go to our website, calvaryaurora.org, calvaryaurora.org. There's the live tab there, and you'll be able to come right into our sanctuary, worship with us, pray with us. Um, listen to the Bible study with us and grow
1: in God's grace. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of Gene Edwards' book, A Tale of Three Kings. Join the thousands who have been touched by this wonderful story of three kings from the Bible. It's especially helpful if you're experiencing pain or loss because of something someone did to you. Maybe you're in a clash with another Christian or you've been damaged by a church split. Get a copy of A Tale of Three Kings today. I know you'll be encouraged. We appreciate the generosity of our listeners. It helps us provide the teaching of God's Word on stations all across the nation. Thank you for standing with us. Call 877-30-GRACE or visit calvaryaurora.org or write to us at Abounding Grace one East Hamden Avenue, Aurora, Colorado, 80013. Then be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from the Word of God. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace.